Hello and welcome to In Conversation with Lisa Burke and today I'm joined by some entrepreneurs who are about to launch an app called No Big Deal. So welcome Daniel Clements and Nigel Bergstra. Thank you very much, Thank Lisa. Thank you very much. So you're two of the three co-founders based here in Luxembourg. First of all, tell me what No Big Deal is. So what is your favourite drink? Oh, coffee at the moment. Okay, so let's say you would go into our app and you would see a picture of an amazing coffee. You would click on that uh, and maybe you'd find that it's actually a cafe maybe down the street from where you live is offering a free coffee. So that sounds pretty great. You would then look at this reward, uh, but you don't just get it. The cafe would be saying you need to walk, for instance, uh, let's say 20,000 steps in the next two days in order to reach it. Uh, so basically, that's what you would do. You would then get those steps in, go to the cafe uh, and get a free coffee. So the idea then, Daniel, is that uh, by doing a certain amount of exercise, is it all exercise, I can get a free drink or maybe in the evening even a free glass of wine. We have a wide range of, of rewards in the app, so we're not limited to beverages or anything. We have restaurants, we have gyms, we have e-bikes, uh, we have some really cool experiential things that you'll will announce pretty soon. There's pizza making pizza classes. Making, yeah. So you've everything. got a whole range of these experiential offerings. Right. And in order to get them on your app, you have to do a certain amount of exercise or are there other, other ways of achieving these? I think the key thing is you have to achieve them, but you can achieve them in, in different ways. In the beginning, it'll be about walking, but we will have things like running and then we will have other types of challenges like we call it Zen mode. So I, meaning you have to switch off your screen for a certain amount of hours. But the key thing here is that it's, it's, a, it's a challenge that you have to accomplish basically, to achieve the reward from uh, from a business. And how can you prove this? How do you prove that you've walked a certain amount of steps or you've had a digital detox? So all of these things are tracked in the application. So uh, there's a built-in step counter. Uh, once we release the running mode, it'll be tracking how far you run. And of course, uh, as Daniel mentioned, there's also a screen time tracker. This one's a bit more complicated, but essentially it'll, it'll track how much time you're spending off of your phone. And of course, uh, we hope that you're spending that time, you know, with your family, with loved ones and doing, you know, things good for your well-being. And why do you think this might catch on? Because obviously you're hoping it will so that people can kind of download your app. So maybe I should explain just a bit of background on how this started. Nigel and I, we were having a coffee. We used to work in the same, in the same company a while ago. And we were having a discussion around these dating apps, Tinder and, and Grindr, but not from a, to be clear, not from a content perspective, more from a kind of a business uh, perspective. And of course. Quite, of course. Um, and they're quite interesting in the sense that they, they somehow appeal to a very deep human instinct or human emotion that they tap into. Well, it's not related to coffee. It's not related to coffee. It's a, it's a different type of instinct. <laughs> um, and I've... This might sound a bit pretentious or nerdy, but I've always been interested in game theory and, and behavioral economics, and which deals with the decision making or why we make the, the choices we make as human beings. And we are can be quite irrational in this, but we are predictably irrational, if that makes sense. And I was going down a, a rabbit hole on YouTube one evening, which I'm sure a lot of people can can relate to. And I came across this one clip of a, I think it was a retired general or admiral from the from the US US military. And he was talking about the the new recruits that they get into, I think it was the Navy SEALs. And the first lesson they teach them is that whenever you wake up uh, and however you feel, the first thing you need to do is to make your bed. And this is like no exceptions. You have to do it every morning. And this might seem like a bit of a trivial thing, but the psychology behind it is quite interesting because if you start off your day with an accomplishment, with an achievement, that means you're more prone to go for another accomplishment and achievement and so on. 
And of course, if you have a bad day, uh, you'll always go to bed in a made bed, basically. And I find that kind of, you know, the fascinating, fascinating thing because it applies to all human beings, this kind of everybody wants to feel good and everyone, everybody wants to achieve things. Um, so I thought, well, is there a way maybe we can associate that feeling or that need that human beings have with a product or service or a company? So I took this idea to, to Nigel. I was quite excited. And he, of course, said, well, that's a stupid idea, Daniel. I didn't say it was stupid. Well, your words, they did hurt. I'm not okay, going to lie. I wasn't saying it's stupid, but it was a bit simple at that time. But obviously the concept was very good. Uh, you know, reward people for doing stuff that makes them feel good. And I think we both agreed on that. However, I did have some doubts because, uh, I mean, where are we going to get the rewards from? You know, equivalent Tinder. Exactly. You know, where, <laughs> yeah, exactly. What does this have to do with Tinder? But, you know, we, uh, we, we kind of worked on it and we, we talked a lot. And I think this is where sort of our backgrounds uh, kind of came into play. So Daniel actually used to work in the marketing team at Vodafone. Um, I also studied strategic marketing in my, in my master's degree uh, and a lot around um, kind of consumer behavior. So what we know is what consumers want is uh, very much to have an experience created for them. I mean, they don't just, you know, nobody really likes being advertised to and have pop-ups and things like that. They really want a brand to create an experience for them. And Likewise, brands want to create these experiences and brands want to support their customers, but they don't always have the way to do it. And that's where we realized that there was actually a big opportunity here to kind of connect the dots. And so that's where, yeah, that's where, where we got the, the idea to bring the brands in. So you've both got this marketing background, which is very, very strong, but it's also massively changed in the last decade, let's say. We have such an upsurge in the yeah. use of anything online and particularly mobile phones. So yeah. you're hitting people with the app, you've got the social media, you've got Instagram, Facebook, the website, whatever. Uh, where is the reward in this for the businesses? It's, it's really creating an experience and building a relationship uh, with the customer. It's not just kind of, you know, telling them, okay, come into our store, this is what we have. It's actually, yeah, building a relationship, building a memorable experience, and they're supporting their health. And, you know, people like to be supported. People will support a brand that supports them. Uh, so in that sense, it's it's very valuable to the brands. Regardless of the size of a company, and if you're a big multinational company or if you're a small business, you know, down on the corner, everybody wants to have engaged customers. And that's not just a cliche that you read in, in, in books. It really is because, you know, we've done the research on this, obviously, and engaged customers spend 50% more money. They're 50% more likely to come back. They will talk about you in their within their, their network. So... But there's like there's no clear way on how to build this engagement because engagement is a feeling, basically. And and of course, if you're a big, massive company, you can you can go and sponsor football teams or Formula One teams and tap into that kind of fan base of, of emotion, right? But if you're a small one, there aren't that many kind of tools available to do this. And this is kind of this is the gap that we see that we we want to fill because I mean it's a bit of a cliche win-win, but this actually is a win-win. And coming back to your question, over the last ten years, absolutely things have evolved and consumers have evolved in their expectations. And you know, also technology has evolved to be able to kind of meet these expectations. But what we found is there's still this lack of using that technology in this way to kind of create those experiences for the customers in the way that they now expect actually from brands. And what would be your competition? Have you got a completely unique novel idea or is there anyone else out there doing what you aim to do? Well, I think there's something they try to refer to as the kind of the movement economy. So I think there there is a more focus on well-being generally from businesses. I wouldn't say that there are some direct competitors to what we do. They have a slightly different approach. We are much more brand focused. You have the kind of the reward in front of you basically throughout the entire challenge. Yeah, I would say the same thing. I don't think there's uh, there's sort of a like for like, let's say. Um, there are other companies that have 
Similarly, they want to incentivize, let's say, steps in some way. But I think the big thing for us, and this came early on also in our conversations, is we did not want to use advertising to fund those rewards, which a lot of these kind of comparable companies do. And what this means is, for one, the rewards are quite a bit lower. Uh, the user experience is, you know, almost as much revolving around advertisements, for instance, as it is around actually doing the doing whatever the well-being activity is. Whereas for us, as opposed to kind of passively earning points and being exposed to advertising, it's really about, as Daniel said, it's kind of, here's this goal and I'm going to now go achieve it. And then I'm going to enjoy that, enjoy that reward because I've put in the work and I deserve it. And for you, your revenue stream will then come from the companies who will pay to be on your app? Correct. So it's completely free for any end user to, to download and use. Like you said, our revenue stream is from the, from the businesses. Luxembourg is quite a unique market. It's quite small. It's not equivalent to other cities. Have you had to think about Luxembourg as a city and how this app might work for the end user or for the company that you're going to establish on your app? So I think, you know, Luxembourg is our home market. I think Luxembourg, and this is also what we've realized in our past jobs, Luxembourg is a great almost test bed for innovation. And I think we uh, we see it as a very important market, but also a great way to to prove our concept. Luxembourg is very unique, but I think there's a lot of common aspects in this city that you're going to find everywhere. I think there's, you know, at the end of the day, people are people. Everybody wants to achieve something. Businesses want to create experiences for customers. And so I think this is absolutely something that we can prove here and benefit from kind of the ecosystem here. Uh, and then, of course, the the goal is to then expand it to other cities. So hopefully proof of concept here and yes. then hopefully expand across the world or such like. So you all met here in Luxembourg, you and your third co-founder as well. You two are working together. At what point did you choose to jump ship? It's a good question. I mean, when we started talking about this, it kind of just, it grew very quickly, I would say, from there. We started, you know, working on weekends, doing more research, and you become, it's a bit weird because you become a bit addicted to the to the idea. And we've mm -hmm. done a lot of research. We put a plan together, but then you reach a point, you need you need to make a decision. It's a go or no go. We, we spent kind of Christmas thinking about it, you know, so are we going to actually do this kind of thing? And after Christmas, we, made, we just made the call that, you know, this is, we've done as much as we could in preparation, basically. And then uh, we take the decision that, you know, we need to do this. Yeah, I remember, uh, and also spending Christmas Day working on the business plan. Yeah, that's well. true. <laughs> and I think, uh, but I, I, yeah, I was definitely, I was going to say the same timeline. At some point, you know, I think we were just so, we put a lot of time in, of course, but it was also just emotionally invested. Like the, the thought of then not seeing it, giving this everything, it almost is, you know, wasn't even an option, I don't think, at that point. No. You just sort of knew and, uh, you know, we had to go for it. Just thinking about family situations, Daniel, you have three children you don't yet have children, Nigel, but... I have a roommate, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big step to make that choice, to think, right, I'm just going to park that career, that progression, that very linear progression, perhaps, particularly for men, often, it seems, to think, okay, I'm going to go for this startup. Yeah. I use my, my kids as a bit of a guinea pigs in this, to be honest with you. I was talking about the this making your bed thing before. And I actually tried this with my kids. I'm not going to lie, it was a bit, they were a bit hesitant in the beginning. But I could actually see a, a change in them when I did it. It does kind of rewire your brain a little bit. So I thought, well, this actually seems to be working, you know. So I, they are quite excited about this idea as well. They, they are testing the app. And I think, you know, I promised I would pay for their therapy in their future. So I need no big deal to work. <laughs> no way. Thinking about finances, though, I, I suppose the, the 
greatest issue for a lot of people is um, how do you afford to jump ship from your employment to being this independent entrepreneur? So how did you go about getting finance? So, yeah, this is actually a funny story because I think so we started thinking about more serious funding around the same time that we knew we were going to do this fully uh, and realized that we needed some funding to, to get it built and everything. So I think I was the one that initially suggested we need to go to our family and friends, which is a bit of an uncomfortable thing to do. Right. And I know, you know, Daniel yeah. uh, was a bit kind of hesitant on that. But, you know, I think we, we then just started doing it. I'm not going to say it was easy, but I think we got really good feedback. I mean, I spent quite a few evenings because of the time change. I'm Canadian and, and talking to my friends back in Canada who are uh, very critical people, which was very good. So got a lot of feedback, but, uh, you know, convincing them uh, was a major milestone. At the end of the day, yeah, we got way more support than we thought. We exceeded our initial target exponentially, and then we exceeded the stretch target that we made after we passed that one. So um, it was very, very fortunate, um, surprising given the circumstances we were yeah, cause I mean, th that was my biggest worry because when we kind of, when we started doing this, this is when the, the pandemic hit and the lockdown started. So I thought, well, this is not really the, the optimal timing for this. So I was quite negative, I think, <laughs> at that <laughs> stage. But th I think this has been the biggest surprise throughout this journey so far, that the, the buy-in we got from, from family and friends, either they believed in us or they kind of believed in the idea kind of thing. And we got some ex-colleagues to invest, some ex-bosses uh, as well. And it's a, it's a massive vote of confidence in a way. And it really helps you uh, kind of get up in the morning. Uh, and when you're feeling like that, do you find it's good to have some co-founders with you? Can you imagine doing this on your own? No, 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 never. I mean, we start off every morning uh, at eight o'clock, including weekends. We, we, have a, we have a Zoom call, the, the, the three of us. And we, I think we spend at least one hour just going through the things that we, we've done, what we're doing today, and then also strategizing about, you know, the, kind of the big picture. 8 a.m. every single morning? Every single morning since, well, it's a couple of months now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously we miss a couple now and then, but, you know, definitely Monday through Friday every single time and most weekends, yeah. uh, for sure. So you've got the whole make your bed uh, kind of regime going <laughs> <Yeah>. on. <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> What's been the greatest surprise during this journey for you? I would say this, the buying that we got from family and friends on the financing, but also when we started, so a couple of maybe two months ago, we started approaching the, the businesses or the business ecosystem here in Luxembourg and getting them signed up on the app so that they are kind of onboarded when we actually release the, the app. Again, um, I can be quite cynical and, and negative. <laughs> I think so, this is going to be hard, but, and especially given that they were all going through this massive crisis, obviously with with the lockdown, but I have to say, I was genuinely surprised by the some sort of positivity among the, the business that they are all kind of, they've had to adapt, obviously. So, you know, much of them are doing much more online sales now, for instance, when they had a point of sale before. But they are they are super excited about the future, actually, and, and this app, because I think they see this as a, as a new way of kind of re-engaging with their, with their customer base in a way. And you need a new type of marketing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, I, and I think one thing also that's been really surprising is how quickly they get it. Yeah. I mean, we've, uh, you know, again, going back to like basically planned every single little detail, um, very small things based on kind of how to make the experience very uh, beneficial for the consumers and the brands. Give me an example. Okay. One example is when you go to the home screen. So if you go to like Groupon or something like this, which isn't really a fun thing, it's more of a kind of mathematical, okay, I want a discount. You would see a bunch of discounts. Here's the price. Here's the discount. With our app, you go in and you're just going to see really vivid pictures of cool rewards. So it becomes this 
almost treasure hunt and, and discovery and you click on the thing and then you see what, you know, what you have to do to get it. So it's much more, it's much more engaging. And this is also very good in terms of creating value for the brands. Uh, so this is just one small thing, but uh, this is sort of built in throughout the app and it's surprising how, how quickly they kind of see these things and they actually understand it. Cause you know, I think we were worried a lot of this, you would have to kind of explain. And when you have to explain something too much, it's uh it's a tough sell, but, no, but it's funny because you prepare it in a, you know, we come from big corporate in a way. So, so it's, you do the PowerPoint and you, um, you kind of make sure everything, cause you've done it so many times before and you do it like an actual presentation. But we found when we meet these companies, it's, it's actually a conversation more than a, than a presentation and which makes it much so much easier. They get it very quickly. So I think we probably over-explained it yeah. in the in the beginning. So your elevator pitch is uh, pretty short. Yes, we get them paying customers <laughs> through the door. Basically, that's it. Yeah. I guess it's a small thing, but it actually makes a big difference in terms of how we've planned the app to be valuable to to both consumers and brands. Is um, as I talked a bit about competitors earlier, where you sort of passively earn some sort of currency, which you can then exchange for something. What we've done is kind of flipped that. So you don't earn something passively, you actually go into the app, you're going to see all of these great images of products and brands, and then you click on that, and then that's your target. This is what you need to do to get it. You need to go hit 50,000 steps. And so it's a clear a, a clear start. You have that reward. And this is, is a small thing, but it makes a big difference for creating that experience on behalf of the brand. And this is something that, you know, I think we worked very hard on how to explain this, but actually they got it. And we've even very early in some conversations, they're like, so hold on, do they first pick the reward and then do it? And then they're like, oh, okay, good, good. That's very good. And then, yeah, as soon as that, uh, we heard that, I was like, yes. So we all have our own kind of concept of what marketing psychology might be, but you have sort of explained that all of the businesses understand, even without perhaps the scientific knowledge, that by having to do something, that reward feels all the better. Also within your app, have you had to think about how to get people slightly addicted to the idea of it? Well, I think this whole, the, the human instinct of just wanting to achieve things and feel good, I think that's the one we're, we're, we're tapping into. And again, like, like the example with, with the bed, you do one accomplishment and then you want to do another one and another, another one. So. You're also tapping into the fact that you get something for free. Or discounted, yes. Yeah, discounted, of course, yeah, it's, yeah. it's obviously a, a very important part of this. <laughs> of course, so. but I, as, as opposed to saying, I guess addiction might not be the best word, I would say it encourages people to have healthy habits. Uh, and this also kind of is backed up by kind of uh, research that, you know, even if you're incentivized to, let's say, do an extra kilometer of walking in the morning, when that incentive is gone, you'll actually likely still do it. So, of course, we would love to have people using the app every day, but we also like to think that even when they're not doing it for something for free, they'll still kind of get in the habit of doing those healthy things. And that's, I think, where we can make a real impact, not just when people are using the app, but... Oh, it's an time. incentive for them to, to become a little bit more healthy. I mean, I certainly need it. I put on a few quarantine kilos, I'm not going to lie. I'm we all have. <laughs> <laughs> It's good. I mean, and, and this is the thing. We we are basically the end users of, of this app. The the rewards that we have now are the ones that we, we would kind of like to see. And we'll, we'll use it quite a lot, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and how have you thought about how to price it from the point of view of the companies? So this is a very interesting question. And uh, I could probably talk about this for the too long, uh, but I'll try and shorten it. There's a few places that we can kind of compare to. So if you boil it down to one of the most basic things that we're doing for a company, it's bringing them a new customer. So from that perspective, you can kind of look at benchmarks on digital advertising in terms of bringing in what it, what it costs to convert a customer. So that's one way that we can kind of benchmark against companies uh, well, like Facebook or Google, not comparable to us, but similar in, in kind of the accomplishment. 
So that's sort of a baseline. On top of that, of course, we're actually creating an experience. We're, we're building that relationship uh, and giving the brands an opportunity to support the customer's health. So this kind of goes all above and beyond that. These are slightly intangible things. So to some extent, you know, we're kind of playing around what is the real value there. But that's kind of how we've, we've built the pricing. And the companies seem happy with this. So far, so good. Um, of course, this is going to be a conversation with a lot of them. Each company's uh, companies of different sizes and different ways of using the uh, using the application. It's going to be different price points. We've built some pricing models around that, but of course, at the beginning, we know we're going to need to be flexible in terms of exactly what model the businesses want. So it's certainly, you know, we're trying to treat it as more of a conversation right now, uh, with of course our limits, <laughs> and uh, that's how. So I'm sure it'll kind of evolve. Over the next over the next couple of months, it's going to be different depending on what type of business you have. So let's say you're 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 selling coffee to Lisa, uh, you know it's it's a that's kind of a recurring. You basically buy coffee every day normally, but there are some other businesses we have in the app that are more not something you buy every day. More like maybe once once a year or something. So we have we have some swimming pools and saunas and stuff you can buy as well. Yeah, <laughs> you, you mean a chance to go swimming? No, no, there's no, actually, no, actually yeah, swimming, swimming. There's a company swimming sell, selling. Yeah. Uh, um, yes, I yeah. buy one of those every year. Yes, well, <laughs> so once in a ten year. Yeah, this is I, this is an, I guess um, it's interesting though because there's different ways of using the application. So, uh, for instance, you could have a gym, and maybe you want to bring people in for kind of a free trial. Uh, so you could offer that in the application. Now, once you've got a person in your gym, they're doing the free trial you know, there's probably not much point in giving them another one. So it's kind of, you know, they would do one reward, each person would do it once, and that's kind of, they've achieved what they want, and then they can and build the relationship with the, the with their new customer. But there's other ways. So for instance, let's say you were running a clothing store, for instance, and maybe you're getting kind of a new shipment of clothes every, every month. So maybe you're offering a discount on a specific new set of brand new fashion lines that have just come in, and you could do that on a monthly basis. And so, you know, all of the users then every month, they know, okay, this company that I really like, they're coming out with new stuff and I can, you know, keep an eye open and then get this, get this reward. So two very different ways of using it. And so this is kind of some of the ways that we've tried to build the pricing to kind of adapt to both ways. I can see that it's quite complicated because the, the very different companies that you're oh, working yeah. with, yeah. very different actual end products and yeah. <laughs> customers and timelines. So I can imagine that takes a fair bit of your time. When it came to designing the app, how did you go about that? Oh, I think we we had a very strong focus on on just the the, the user experience and the user user interface. This was the it's so important to get this right for us because it needs to be intuitive. I mean, our most people know how to use an app these days and how to download an app, but you know, it's, it's people are quite restless. Also, they they lose interest very quickly, and I think there's some sort of rule of thumb saying for every click you lose twenty five percent or something. I think so. I think when you when you when you go back to like the the sort of core principles of the model. So I think the first one is this kind of aspect of discovery, of treasure hunt, of opening the app and saying, oh, what can I find in here? So that was kind of the point one. The next step is actually doing the challenge to get it. So this is kind of the the feel good, the well being part where you're actually performing the task. The third part is then the achievement. So I think these are the sort of three pillars, and we base the app around those three things. So the kind of core user model is exactly that. So it's very intuitive. One, two, three. And that's how we kind of structured the core of the application. And then, of course, we've built different things around that. But that's kind of how we approached it from the beginning, which so far, um, you know, based on the kind of testing we've done, I think it, it resonates. It's very easy to use. It's very intuitive. Just thinking about uh, the clientele for various companies as well. Obviously, each company might have a slightly different uh, span of age range, perhaps, and um, gender also. How have you built that into pricing? So to some extent, what we've looked at is, for instance, a number of people using apps to track their well-being, which is a lot. And it's actually a lot across not just 
younger people my age. It's also popular amongst the the older crowd, like Daniel's age. <laughs> and uh, so, so, so from that perspective, it's actually our our app is extremely easy to to kind of adopt from from a, a large demographic, let's say. And it's also you know it's almost split equally between males and females. So it's quite a broad range. Uh, so I think a lot of it, I think what we say is sort of we're targeting millennials. Uh, plus plus 10. So sort of a pretty wide area. But I think the key is uh, we want to target people that can obviously uh, use the app very, very easily. You know, they have some disposable income to enjoy the rewards that maybe aren't free. So some are going to be discounts, for instance. And I think from there, we might find that the app does take off with a specific demographic. And I think the rewards will then, of course, kind of start tailoring towards that demographic. How that goes, we have some ideas of where that might go, whether it might concentrate just on young professionals, whether it might actually be better for young families or, you know, we have different kind of profiles that might become very popular. But I think we're remaining a bit flexible to that in terms of if that's the case, then we can react at the time and adjust the rewards accordingly. So when can we get it? When can we download this? So we're, we're very busy testing it right now. We're out kind of walking every day <laughs> to make sure the, the, the counter works. We're increasing that kind of test base within the next couple of weeks. So if you want to try the app as a beta tester, meaning this is not the final product, but you get a feel for, for how it works and provide us some feedback, you can just go to our website and, and, and sign up there. We are aiming to kind of launch in um, beginning of September. Yeah, correct. So we'll be if if you're interested in in beta testing, you can already start using the app in August, and then of course, uh, pending any potential bugs that pop up out of the beta testing, which is of course the the purpose of that, um, you know, we'll bring a kind of very robust application that will start marketing and and fully launch in September. So thinking about your potential customers, they can become beta testers now. Mm-hmm. Or they can sign up, hopefully, beginning of September. Yep. For companies, how can they get hold of you? Well, they can just contact us through our through our website or our Instagram handle, which is the real no big deal. We respond very quickly. And I mean, our calendars are full with meeting these businesses right now, actually. So the more, the, the merrier, I think. And final question, where did you come up with the name? That's, that's a bit debated, actually, because it was actually yeah. the, the abbreviation came first. So there was another person that we were thinking about bringing into the application with B as their name. And so it was N-B-D. We also came up with another thing that this could stand for. Which is? Well, no, no, not, well, do you want to know this? <laughs> I do actually now, yes. But the, <laughs> the, the idea was that I, I have to, cut, not, do I have to cut this for now? No, you, know, you can air it, that's fine. Oh, it's wow. not true, it's not true. That. It was because Daniel's like, well, you're going to be the CEO, so we'll just call it Nigel and NBD. And then NBD, I don't know if it's as popular in Europe, but this is a common abbreviation in, in North America to mean no big deal. And I was like, wait a second, that's actually like the perfect name for this. Well, it is. And it, it, actually, the name, it, it does resonate quite well with the business. We're getting good feedback on it. And it's a bit of a paradox, obviously, because it is a pretty big deal. The no big deal, you know. I'd like to way. think so. But yeah. I'd like to think so, yeah. So a little bit of irony there. Yes. Well, thank you both so much. I cannot unthink what you've just said to me now. <laughs> It was purely based on my role as CEO. (laughs) Of course, a beer or something. I don't know. Yes, or while you were, you know, swiping (laughs) right or left on Tinder or Grindr, getting your ideas. He was the one that brought up Tinder. It wasn't me. (laughs) From a business point of view, business point of view only. Well. Thank you both very much. We look forward to downloading the app and walking and having our Zen detox moments and uh, getting those no big deals. Thank you so much for your time. And I'm sure many of our listeners can download your app very soon and we will be following your successes, hopefully, over the next year and many more to come. Thank you both. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you, Lisa.